Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey, Dogs Fit Geeks. We are here um, with Amanda, who sounds like shit. Let's just be real. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So Amanda just got back from Ireland. Um, and so today we thought we'd talk a little bit about what she saw over there with dogs and uh, just the whole, I guess, trip. Because you took Clark with you. I did. And... What I loved about that, and I haven't put, I haven't posted yet, and it might be posted before we this actually goes live, but where you actually still cooked his food. Yes. And so many people are like, I don't want to do raw. I don't want to do frozen because it's so hard to travel with. You just traveled across the fucking country <laughs> to another country and still made his food. How the hell? Yeah. Um, so honestly, it just made the most sense. So if you think about traveling, I mean, we were gone for 10 days. If I were to have packed 10 days worth of physical kibble, that would be a whole suitcase in itself. Like, there's... Oh, yeah. the, You'd been like $80 for a, for I a suitcase. I would have had to pack three suitcases. Yeah, that'd been ridiculous. So then I got to thinking, well, he does really well on Zeewee. So he had to obviously eat something the days we were traveling. So I spent months in advance preparing, making sure that Zeewee didn't give him any digestive upset, that he could easily switch back and forth. Um, but since he's on homemade dog food, I think switching to a high-density nutrition food like Zeewee was very easy for him because he really never had any issues. I would one day give him Zeewee, the next day give him Dr. Harvey's and go back and forth, sometimes even meals. You mean you actually planned? Yes. Did y'all hear that, people? Plan. I mean, I started this plan <laughs> back in August or September. That's amazing. Um, and so then when it came down to it, I brought a few cans of Zeewee just for backup. I brought um, half of his daily calories were dry Zeewee because I, I knew we'd be walking around and sightseeing and everything. 
Um, and for whatever reason, he doesn't love soft food in the morning. It's just who he is. <laughs> Texture. Um, <laughs> so, and then the other part of his calories was I brought the Dr. Harvey's. Uh, I had measured it out prior for one pound uh, servings, which is a daily serving for him or two days since he gets half of it um, when he's eating Ziwi. So he ate Ziwi. It took us almost 24 hours to get there because of all the flight delays. Oh, yeah. But so he did great eating the Ziwi in the airports and um, just along the route in the plane. And then once we landed in Dublin, we just went to their local convenience store there called Spar. And I didn't really plan on making food the first couple days for him because I honestly didn't know where we were going to get it. I was just <laughs> like, we'll figure it out as we go. But that's why I packed extra cans yep. and extra food. Um, but I ended up finding – and this was like – a moment for me because I pay attention to how much meat costs and I don't always get him like 93, seven or right. You know, I get him like the 85, 15 or whatever that's cheaper and then just drain some of the fat off. But I go to this convenience store and there's 3% fat or 4% fat lean ground beef from Irish cows, which is the best. Like five ninety five, holy shit! <sighs> so I was like, "Yep, I'll take that." And the Airbnbs that we stayed in, they all had kitchens. They all had the basic cookware. Uh, so I just boiled that up and made it, and brought some plastic baggies to put it in. And then I gave him a serving and froze the other. And by the time we got to our next Airbnb, it was thawed, and he had a meal. Damn. So it saved a lot on space. Um, it gave me a sense of peace of mind because he does do the best on Dr. Harvey's um, as far as like his liver chi and spleen chi go. If you want to get into the his Chinese uh, I, issues. I totally need to do that. Oh, actually, um, Dr. North is finally, we do finally have Dr. North scheduled. Good. Yeah. So um, we'll talk about that. So... You know, and, and he still took his herbs while we were over there. And, you know, I packed my bag of vitamins and I packed his bag of vitamins. And it's like having a kid. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Just a four legged furball who is larger than most children. Yeah. So, no, so. he did great on that. And um, I just, I, the excuse of, oh, I don't want to feed fresh because we travel too much. I just don't see that as a valid excuse. Not, no, you made it happen going to another country. And most people are not taking their dogs to another country because this was not an easy process right. to get him prepared for this. Right. You had to go through a lot of paperwork. Yeah. So, um, yeah. We can talk about that because I know a lot of people are wondering how to travel with their dogs. Um, maybe not necessarily overseas, but even within the United States. Um, Within the United States, it's pretty easy if you drive. If your dog's small enough to fit in a carrier, there's usually just a fee you pay for a pet. And it's like 90 bucks or 100 and something, depending on the airline. And you can fly with them. Um, but international is different. If you're flying with a pet um, and it can't fit in a carrier, it will have to go cargo. Uh-uh. Um, <laughs> I'm like, no! Um, which, yeah, I, that freaks me out. Um, but 
there's a lot of paperwork beforehand that has to be done. And so we started that process in, I think, September was when we first met with the vet. You have to have a vet that's USDA certified, um, which means they can fill out paperwork that's then sent to the USDA and endorsed and then sent back to you. So for us, what that looked like is we went to the vet. We talked about the general plan of events. And the other like issue that we kind of ran into was that Clark was due for his rabies vaccine. And he's gotten, he got his one year and then he got a three year. So now he was due for his booster three year. Uh. But what we had to pay attention to was the European laws. And the European laws state that if you get a rabies vaccine after, or if your microchip is implanted after your first rabies vaccine, then your next rabies vaccine is your primary vaccine, and that's only valid for a year. Regardless if you get a one-year or a three-year, European law says So even if you have the paperwork, even if you have the certificate showing three-year. Correct. They still want that. They want it linked to the microchip. Yeah, because that's so, I read that about Europe that the microchip is huge. Yes, every dog has to be registered with a microchip. Yes, period. iOS microchip it has to it has to be in the dog. So Clark got his rabies uh, in February when he was a puppy, and then he got his microchip in June. Ah, and then he got his three year the following December or something. So technically in Europe. That was no longer valid. Damn. So he ended up having to get a one year so that then next year he can get a three year so that if we ever go back, he'll be good to go and it'll be seen as valid okay. from here on out. Okay. So, but that was a whole thing. And then it also has to be done 21 days prior to entry. <laughs> so he got it done on the 21st day at like the 12th hour. Like it was, I was like, no, no, no. I yeah. think this is what needs to happen. So yeah. then luckily our vets were great to work with and we got it all done, but he got that. Um, and then the only other thing that Ireland required is a tapeworm um, preventative. It was just basically just a dewormer. Really? No more than five days prior to arrival, which we left two days after Christmas, mm-hmm. which puts five days the Friday before Christmas. So that was just a whole mess. So that was the only other thing that Ireland, every country has different requirements. Even Hawaii has different requirements than the United States than any other country. Well, I don't want y'all bringing shit over. <laughs> Come on, let's be real. We we could be a nasty country. Yeah. We got a lot of shit going, going around for dogs. <laughs> I don't want you to bring that over. Right. So luckily it was just the, you know, make sure the rabies is in check and the dewormer um, for Ireland. But then you had to get... So he got all that, and he also had to get a health check, and that's the USDA Mm. official health check done by the vet. Has to be done no more than 30 days prior to arrival, but can't be endorsed more than 10 days. (laughs) So here I am sitting there just trusting the process that the USDA is going to get this done in five days because of the Christmas holiday. So... (laughs) Holy moly. We got it done. I'm stressed out. I know. I was I was a mess. But we got it. I got it back on Thursday. He got his dewormer Friday. We came here for Christmas, yep. Saturday, Sunday. We left on Tuesday. Yep. Um, so 
it all ended up working out, but it is, it's, it's not an necessarily easy process, but it also isn't that hard as long as you have your timeline, right? Yeah. And your vet knows what they're doing. Um, and then as far as getting to Ireland is once we got there, uh, we had to go to the agriculture part of the airport. It just is by baggage claim in the Dublin airport. And the woman just scanned his microchip and then checked his paperwork. We paid our $50 fee and we were on our way. So and he had a ball. Oh, he had a blast <laughs> after he got over his jet lag. But yeah, that was, we were all jet lag, but it was, it was fun. So yeah, I would, it, it's not, it's not a super scary thing if you want to take your dog with you. Um, it just depends on has your dog ever traveled cargo if it's a pet, if it's a service dog, that's a different story. So Clark actually was able to travel in cabin with us. Um, and he just slept the whole time. He's a really good traveler. He's been traveling since he was eight weeks old. Um, but he does really well with it. So uh, we didn't have any issues. And you also have to know your dog's potty schedule um, and if they'll go inside. Yeah, because they mostly have fake grass and it's not laid out typically, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the ones I've seen not laid out like a typical, like, oh, this looks like a yard. No, it's usually up off the ground yeah. with a wood frame, and it's yeah. AstroTurf. Yeah. That In a small room. Nasty. <laughs> it's nasty. Um, Clark will usually do a perimeter sniff and then says, no, thank you. He's like, this is disgusting. Yeah. Has he, anybody cleaned this like, bathroom? lifts his paws up like, this is gross, and then he's like, we can go. Um, but luckily we had a layover that was super long in, where were we? Boston, I think. Oh, Charlotte and Boston. But I was able to take him out and just let him go potty outside. Oh, that's good. And come back through security. So most people are like, shit, I'd make my dog hold it instead of having to go back through security. Yeah. Well, we have TSA pre-check, so it's not that hard. Yeah, it's a lot easier. And, um, and yeah, I knew we had a five and a half hour flight there plus going through customs so i i needed to make sure he yeah unloaded yeah. before all and, of that and not in the nasty area yeah he's so bougie yep he's pitiful and then poor bless his heart now he's at the groomer he's like can i not get a fucking break oh <laughs> you've traveled with me he was nasty it was <laughs> so muddy and rainy i told kira i was like I apologize. I apologize. Here's some chocolate. Like, <laughs> I left them with chocolate because he's nasty. He, uh, there was a box of chocolates that spilled in our car because we did a road trip around Ireland. And there was a box of chocolates that spilled in our car and he had sat in one of them, I no. guess. And it was, of course, a caramel one. So he of had course. caramel in his tail. Seriously. That we had to cut out. And I'm just like, <laughs> this is bad. And then all of the mud, all of the rain. I tried to keep up with it the best I could, but there was a few days where he wore his boots because I was just like, I'm not dealing with this right now. Bless his heart. Um, but no, he had a ball. Um, we had we all had fun. So let's talk about the dogs over there because, I mean, it's been – I haven't been in, what, s- almost 17 years. I haven't been in almost 17 years. So I was doing this job when I went over, and I was very impressed – with the dogs that I saw in mm-hmm. Ireland. Now, I have seen dogs in Europe 
it's very different than here. Um, it was nothing to see dogs inside the restaurant, yeah. sitting up on the chairs, sitting in the booth with the owners. Obviously, in Ireland, it was nothing to see a dog at the pub, right? Uh, sitting next to the peat moss fireplace. Um, it, it's they're just treated differently. And then, then watching these, you know, of course, the border collies, watching them in these small little towns, just able to cross the road and move on and do their thing Mm -hmm. where it almost looks like, Hey, this is a stray dog. And there's really, they don't have a lot of issues with stray dogs in most European locations. They're also microchipped. And they're microchipped. And that is something that is absolutely every dog has to be microchipped. And another rule they have over in Europe is that if you sell more than six dogs a year, you have to be registered as a breeder, mm-hmm. you have to be registered. You are open to inspections at any time. Come on, United States. <laughs> Let's catch up. Well, and the other thing with the microchip, which I think is just genius, is like if your dog gets out or you dump it, you get fined. Yeah. Like it's linked to your name. So there's more of an incentive to properly rehome. There's more of an incentive to be responsible. Um I, yeah, I don't know. And one thing Anne commented on is we were walking around Galway and we saw a lot of purebreds, not a whole lot of doodles, but what uh, <laughs> they do exist. They do exist. Um, but not rampant like we are <laughs> specifically the German shepherds that we saw. She's like, they are beautiful. And I was like, well, yeah, they're just going to go to Germany. Yeah. It's a, like, it's a different, have their, it's very different. They have, they have very good lines, easily accessible, I think. So well, it goes back to being that as a registered breeder and you have inspections, you're required to do things. And like you said, that microchip is there. It's holding breeders to higher standards. Yeah. And we don't do that here. Right. We just are like, oh, okay. You breed in your backyard. Okay. Do they have <laughs> shelter? You know, do they have water? Is their bed up off the ground? Yay for you. Good job. Way yeah. to, way to, you know, house those 80 animals in your backyard. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I know I'm speaking from a very small population of dogs that I saw because we did have the radio on a lot of our road trip and they do, like, every country has their problems with their dogs. Of course. Like, I mean, obviously, yeah. Their biggest one was that a dog had recently attacked, I think, a herd of sheep or something. And so then they're like, should these owners be held more responsible. The biggest thing was should dogs have insurance, but not like health insurance. We were gathering. It was insurance for if they like a liability insurance. Yeah. Like a liability if they harm another one's livestock or something. So that was interesting to hear on the radio, but in just walking around, like our first stop, was in a small town right outside Dublin. And I was like, well, I'll just let Clark go to the bathroom here. And I had him on leash. And I see a guy walking and I see a border collie trailing a good distance to the side of him, behind him. And of course I panic. I'm like, oh my (laughs) dog off leash, dog off leash. We're going to go over here. We're going to make space. We're going to make space. We're going to keep moving. (laughs) No PTSD here. None. This dog (laughs) didn't care about us, didn't care about Clark, didn't care about anything. He just, he knew he was following his owner to the pub. He was going to the pub. Right on in. And I was like, I was shook. I was like, Ann, did you see that? (laughs) Border Collie didn't even care. Uh Uh-uh. 
And so then I was like, okay, well, it's a border collie in Ireland. Like it knows to follow its master, right? <laughs> so that's a one off. <laughs> but it's we're not. <laughs> walking around Dublin and there's just little dogs just off leash following their humans. I'm like, this is incredible. And like you said, dogs in restaurants, dogs in pubs. Um, it, it was, it was cool to see in the city. And then when we got out to Galway, we ended up having a day where we just walked around the Bay area and it's where everyone takes their dogs to play. And there's a little beach that the dogs can swim in. Oh, yay. And, uh, of course there's a couple off leash dogs and I'm like, okay, don't freak out. Like keep moving. Come on. Like, but what I noticed was the dogs that were off leash were so well behaved that they didn't really care about the other dogs. Like they were just there to enjoy life. They, you know, their owners weren't giving them commands. None of them were wearing any form of e-collar. Because they are outlawed in Europe. Correct. God, again, United States, can we please catch up? Stop, stop saying we're the greatest country of all time when we still shock our fucking dogs. Right. Come on, y'all. So... (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I like my country. Don't get me wrong, but fuck. We are so behind. Yeah. And These dogs are truly off-leash. Truly off-leash. Because they have verbal control. Because the owners actually spent time teaching them life skills. Instead of being, keeping them kind of isolated. Keeping them on leash the whole time. And not, not practicing those mm-hmm. skills. Um, and that's, you know, something we can learn from them. Yeah. Um, but of course, our country doesn't. We don't give as much freedom to dogs. Correct. And so people are like, well, why should I practice that when I'd have nowhere to take my dog off leash? Mm-hmm. But it's still, I think that regardless of what our laws are, we need to practice with our dogs to give them that ability to be off leash. Because there are places in this country where you can take your dogs off leash to a, you know, whether it's a... I'll call it a dog park, but it might be a 25-acre fenced-in wooded area, right? Or like a beach. Mm -hmm. Did you let Clark off leash to play and have a good time? Uh, No, because (laughs) I did not want to clean him up. Didn't want to clean him up. It was. I was like, we are not getting sandy. I don't have the energy for that. Um, And I didn't want him to ruin like the Airbnb either. All right. So, but he had a great time. He, I let him have long a longer lead and. He got to sniff all the things and even the dogs that would be interested. The, what surprised me most is not a single time did I hear anyone say, oh, no, 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 it's okay. He's friendly. What? Yeah. You never heard that? Nope. Um, because it, the dog acted in such a way that the dogs and Clark were giving each other signals from yards away like i'm talking like 10 15 beautiful and then they would get closer they would do their curve greet sniff maybe do a little play dance and then they'd go on their separate ways it was like hi oh my god a new friend hi okay bye (laughs) nice to call me (laughs) yeah like they didn't you know they didn't try to initiate play they they read each other's signals so well and just kept moving and then and then, of course, there's dogs on leash that are pulling, and like the dogs that are on leash definitely needed to be on leash. But, um, but again, responsible pet owners not letting those dogs off leash, knowing that they're not ready. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And and then you had the dogs that just they they were just walking off leash. They didn't care. They didn't want to say hi. They just were out to have a good stroll with their owners and um it was it was really cool to see that just in action and in real life and it's amazing. And yeah. And, and I think that we have to stop kind of limiting our pups because of what our laws do say here. I, I think that so many people think, well, you know, your dog can't be off leash, can't be off leash. There's leash law. There's a leash law. There's this, there's that. And so they don't practice anything for that off leash control. And I think that we need to stop letting our laws kind of dictate what we teach. Right. Um, I like teaching ob- obedience. I still fucking hate that word. Um, it's not about obedience. These dogs were not obedient as much as they were well-mannered in real-life situations. They knew the expectations. Um, Obviously, the owners had clear communication with them. The dogs had been allowed to socialize properly at a younger age to where they they stayed with their communication skills, Mm -hmm. and they were good at using those communication skills. Um, I just think that, that the leash is so detrimental because we're not using it the way it really should be used. We're using it to correct dogs, punish dogs, um, hold dogs, you know, tightly back. And that's just creating so much reactivity. I guarantee they probably don't have dogs as reactive as we do over here. And you said you saw, what, one? I saw one. Uh, I would say I saw one that might be kind of maybe aggressive, reactive. But then there was definitely a couple that I don't know if they were just young and excited or if they were truly like <laughs> reacted like they would go up on their haunches. I think it was more of an excited yeah. reaction. Um, but there was one reactive German Shepherd that like growled and got stiff when me and Clark walked by. But that owner had it on a leash next to him with a muzzle. So so responsible. You know, it's like he the owner definitely understood my dog is scary. My dog's working through some things and can look very scary. But I'm going to take the extra length of precaution to make sure he's not a threat to others. So did you, I thought that was really cool. Did you happen to notice how he was handling the dog? Um, so not curious. really, because we just okay. walked by. I mean, he was definitely aware. He wasn't aloof to his dog and letting, like, he had a, a stern grip on it, but he wasn't, like, yanking the dog's okay, neck. Okay, good. He was just, he was bracing himself, and then I think it just helped that me and Clark just walked by. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't overcorrecting Excellent. the dog for that Good. matter. Good. So it's it's really it really is different. And there's so many lessons that we can take away. One, let's start microchipping every dog mm-hmm. that is out there. The microchipping companies be like, hell yeah, let's do that. I can use those billion dollars. But it's just kind of if we I think if we gave I think that if we gave more opportunities for dogs to be in public with their owners, I think it would encourage owners to do more with their dog. Because who wouldn't want to go to a pub and sit by a peat moss fireplace and drink a pint of Guinness with their dog? Right. Right? Why not? Yeah. And a lot of times when you see those dogs, you sometimes have no idea they're there, mm-hmm. which is how it should be. It's like for me, kids... I should not even know they're there. <laughs> not at the pub, just in general. There are kids at the pubs, though. There are kids at the pubs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're like, it's a family event. Yeah. I mean, they have pubs there like we have churches here. 
well, in the south churches but yeah it's like a pub church pub church pub church yeah that's good times Dang. uh yep so yeah and and i mean and you just kind of touched on it and i know we'll probably make some service dog handlers very upset saying this but i think america needs to be more pet friendly um, absolutely i think and especially being over there our society is built in such a way that we're isolating dogs from experiences that can help make them less of a threat to service dog handlers. Um, and if you compare just our daily life to European daily life, and it's when you go to town, you're going to multiple different stops. You're not going to Target and getting right. all the things. Right. You're, you know, you have to go here for a bite to eat and then here to the pharmacy and then to the grocery and then to this. Um, but if you're taking your dog for a walk and you're walking through town and you need to step in and grab something, you're either going to tie your dog up, which is a normal thing to do over there, or it's going to go in with you. Same with like the pub. If you're going to take your dog for a walk and then meet your buddies for a pint, yeah. you're just going to take your dog in with you. Um, and that's just normal life for the dogs. And then here in America, we, I think people get caught up in wanting to take their dogs into everyday life without ever giving them any exposure to that. And so you can't expect a dog to act a certain way without the constant exposure. Exactly. So I just think that. You know, the dogs that are, and and I've had a vet tell me this before, that the, the best dogs they've had in their clinics are ones raised by college students because we take the dogs everywhere. Yeah. They go to their friend's house. They go to the parties. They go here. They go there. Yep. They go study at a patio with us. And and that's essentially what's happening in Europe just with the pet dogs, the your everyday household dogs. Now, in college, it's because you're the only one that can take care of it. So you, it either comes with or it doesn't get taken care of. Right. But in Europe, it's the dogs. It, it seems like it, the dog's part of the family. The dog is going everywhere with them. And the dog, I mean, we saw a bunch of families out on their New Year's Day walk with their dogs. And it was it was just a really cool thing to see because I I was thinking like how many families would be like, all right, let's go on a family walk yeah. and leave the dog at home because they don't want the stress. Right. And that happens almost every day. Yeah. I, I mean, and I know there are probably listeners going, oh, yeah, we do family walks without our dog because they just can't. And I think that we do not give dogs um, enough freedom here, and yet we keep taking away their places that they can be. Right. I mean, we're building up and building up and building up and, and more and more buildings and more and more activities, and it's just constantly busy, and yet it's like we're taking away more from the dog. And then, I mean, it's keeping me busy because we're getting dogs with behavior <laughs> problems left and right because they're just not getting those needs met. And I'm not saying that, you know, not every dog should be in public. Um, Myers has been limited in going in public right now because he has been through his little barking and his sound sensitivities. And uh, we're working through that. But when I do take him in public, I make a plan to know that I have an escape route. Mm -hmm. If he's having a bad day, you know, if I go to meet people or Britt and I go separate, we'll drive separate, right? So I can just take Myers and say, you know what? I'll just leave with him if I have to. It's almost like having a baby, right? You have a new a new baby and you're like, got to make a plan. 
got to make right. a plan to leave in case my baby has a breakdown. I just don't think that we set our dogs up for success here. And I, I want people to start working with their dogs as if we live somewhere like Europe. And we do have a, listeners in Europe and other countries, but for the United States, it's, I want you to start working your dogs as if you have that opportunities. Cause I think that as our society continues and as we get people that are going into leadership that have grown up with dogs that are treated as part of the family, Mm -hmm. they have a way to make changes in legislation. They have a way to make those changes and it's going to be important, but we need to show them as pet owners that we have, that we have the capability to get our dogs to be able to function in society. Yeah. Um, and be respectful in society, regardless if it's another pet dog sitting across the pub or it's a service dog sitting across the pub. Right. Honestly, you shouldn't know the difference other than by the clothing that the right. dog is wearing to say, I am, you know, I'm working. So I just think that that us and, and everybody knows I'm a big proponent of service dogs and we've worked with them and we continue to work with, you know, individuals with service dogs. But I just think that we need to stop using that as an excuse. Yeah, uh, because I think that our dogs will become better, even if again they're not allowed in the restaurants. Okay, but let's give them places they are allowed. Well, they're allowed on patios, and yeah. patios are open here in Nashville and in a lot of places in the world. I mean, even over in Ireland, like we sat out on a patio on New Year's Day. Was it cold? Yeah, but they have heaters. So and not enough. There is never enough heaters for me to be sitting outside in Ireland <laughs> on New Year's Day. <laughs> Or New Year's Eve, whatever. It's cold. No, it was fine. Ugh. It was great. Um, but uh, again, like patios are open. So take your dog and sit on the patio, even if it's just for a drink or an appetizer. Like, again, you don't have to commit. Like, go be social with a friend or something. Like, yeah. I think a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to make plans to go to dinner and then have right. to leave. It's like, okay, well, then make it, make it. And do, yeah. date with your dog yes. and say, oh, it's only going to be like 30 t- minutes to an hour. There you go. And go in the less busy how- time of the day. Right. But here's good news for our local listeners. There's good happy hours. There are very good happy hours. You know, we're offering a class now, Dogs Around Town. It's our social hour class where you can come and work with one of our trainers uh, with a group of four. So we're going to have, it's it's a group setting, but it's only like four people and four dogs with one of our trainers to where we will meet at patios. We're going to meet at breweries. We're going to do these things to help you teach your dog how to handle those situations so that you can go mm-hmm. and enjoy. So we actually already have several um, scheduled. They're on the website. And, uh, you know, you get to have a, have a beer, have an appetizer, eat, do whatever you want. We're going in the middle of the week. Mm-hmm. So before Thirsty Thursday, <laughs> we're, they're set on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. So um, enough to get like those people that just go to have a drink after work. They're probably home by that time. So we set it up. Not 7. Yeah, 7 to 8 is what we're, kind of, we're going to be doing it. And just setting it up to where we, there's people there and uh, and activities, but it's an enough space and not as busy to overwhelm a dog Mm -hmm. and we're picking locations to where we can we can really have some area to work with the dogs without being closed in and Mm -hmm. and tight so if you're local and you want to teach your dog to do that then that is what you need to sign up for Mm -hmm. uh, because that is kind of taking place for our group classes right now Uh, we're working on social hour uh, because we want you to be able to take your dog to a patio 
Uh, because again, I think that if we start showing that people really want this and that our dogs are capable of doing it, then those coming up and, and, you know, grew up with their dogs, they can make those changes hopefully mm-hmm. and well, give and us the, more rights. What I love most about the, that our dog around town is that it's going to help teach you how to reinforce neutrality in your dog. And so it's not going to be a super hard, exhausting work per se compared to like the group classes that we were traditionally doing, but more of just sitting and rewarding your dog for doing nothing. And that's hard for dogs that aren't used to doing that. I had to work on that with Clark because he's a very social dog and he's learned throughout the years that he's actually more dog selective. He's, and he's a little bit people selective too, but he, he, I used to think like, oh, he's a super social dog. He'll play with any dog. He loves dogs. But then he started learning how to be neutral around dogs and to analyze their signals. And if a dog doesn't know how to communicate, he wants nothing to do with them. God bless us. Cause we make him work with our reactive dogs. <laughs> And he's so, like, I did not sign up for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's a it's a life skill. It's it's a skill that all dogs need. They need to learn how to be neutral so that they can enjoy going places with you and you can enjoy having your dog at the restaurant with you or at the bar, at the patio, um, and just not worry about not have that like constant like tension of Oh my gosh, my dog's going to lunge. Oh, here comes a dog. Oh my gosh, it's going to like, yeah. what's going to happen? The, the dog's just going to be like, oh, like, you're just going to give me a treat for laying here. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um. So I'm looking forward to that. I think it'll be super fun. I think. I mean, we get to drink while we work. <laughs> Duh. I mean, let's be real. But, you know, and that's true. It, it It's teaching the dogs to just chill. And I think that is something that we don't do a, enough of. I think when people take their dogs in public, they think they should constantly be doing, 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 doing. And that's why I started taking Myers as a puppy because I want him to learn to be able to do nothing in an environment. Yeah. And so the one thing that that we're going to really encourage our clients to teach before coming to the social hour class is a really good solid place and stay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's teaching your dog that to lay on a certain mat or a, you know, a towel, whatever it might be, that that kind of tells the dog we're going to be here for a little bit and you're going to get something really yummy to chew on and no one's going to approach you and no one's going to pet you it's kind of a human free zone and it can help dogs be comfortable in environments that are new Mm -hmm. and so when I go anywhere with Myers even when I was taking him to the group class I would take his little placemat and he knew that oh I I mean he would try to jump on it before I even got it out there (laughs) because he's like I get something really good here and I think that really helps a lot because it helps the dogs to go, okay, this is an unfamiliar environment. This is kind of crazy and this is weird. But if I know this placemat, we'll call it a placemat, this means no humans, no dogs, and I get a special toy and I'm just to hang out here, that's going to lower the dog's anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's also going to lower the human's anxiety because they have a plan. Mm-hmm. Most don't have plans. Now, obviously, in the social hour class, we'll also be helping you deal with things like rude people, <laughs> um, reactive dogs. Um, or if your dog gets excited and reactive, how to handle that and how to help your dog get back to a calm place, mm-hmm. right? So it, it it's going to be kind of a, um, you know, you know, not every dog is going to be perfect when they're there because why are you at our social hour training <laughs> class if your dog is already good in public? 
or maybe you just want to practice or you want to just you got enough money you just want to pay to hang out with like-minded people whatever that's cool too <laughs> we'll take you we don't care um but i i do think that it's important that owners learn the skills to be able to handle that because so many people you know we have several dog events that happen in our area and there's one particular dog event. I'm not going to mention it, but there's one particular dog event that it's it's the largest dog event we have that I wish they wouldn't allow dogs to come to because it is the most clustered fuck fest. <laughs> this is going to be such an explicit episode. <laughs> now she's got her coughing fit. She's like, she already told me, she told me before, don't make me laugh. But look, there are dogs that were people... Do not take their dogs out anywhere for 364 days. And then that one day of the year, they're like, ooh, let's go to this dog event where there are, you know, 10,000 other dogs. And then wonder why their dogs freak out. Yeah. It is a cluster. And I just think that, again, we're just not setting our dogs up for success and, and teaching the owners what needs to happen because all we preach is leash law, leash law, leash law. Fine, leash law, whatever. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't be teaching our dogs verbal control, um, neutrality. I love that. And teach them how to be around other dogs without having to engage. Because, you know, you get a puppy, just like with kids, right? Kids will pretty much play with any kid. They don't care. They're going to play with any kid. And they have a ton of friends, right? Mm -hmm. They have a birthday party, their 10-year-old birthday party. There's 25, 30 kids there, and they're all friends, right? Mm -hmm. I'm having a 48-year-old birthday party, and there's eight of us, right? Because you choose who you want to be around. Right. And, and I think that as we grow and mature, and same with dogs, if we continue giving them those skills, and I think so many times people stop socializing their dogs after puppyhood mm-hmm. because it's not as easy and they're not as social, so then they don't know how to handle it. So they just isolate the dog. Right. When we need to learn how to understand that that is part of it. We want them to be neutral to some dogs. Um, And if they don't like a dog, that's fine. They don't have to like a dog, but they need to have a skill to be able to move away from that. And that's what appropriate communication skills are all about. Uh, And that's what we talk about in our dog communication class uh, seminar. It is really important that we need to, to do, we need to do better. Yeah. Well, and I think that just reminded me of another thought from Europe and, um, the amount of times I've had people come up and just think they can pet my dog, mm-hmm. whether he's working or not, it's it baffles me in the states. Um, versus in it, it especially baffles me with Clark with any of the other service dogs we've worked with. Um, people will come up and ask. Is that a service dog? First of all, can you read? I know, right? It's all over the vest. Second of all, can I pet it? No, you may not. Like it it literally says, "Do not pet." Do not pet. Yeah. So, (laughs) no, you may not. Do not distract. And um, the amount of times that we'll have like little kids come up. Sometimes parents are like, "No, no, no!" Like you can't pet that dog, or um, it'll be like people. The kids will come too close for comfort, um, or humans will just do a walk by drag of the hand on oh, the back. Yeah, and he's tall enough that's very easy to do, and that drives me crazy. Y'all, it's called consent. Yes, 
Um, in Europe, I did not have that problem. Not once. I had a lot of experiences of they just looked at him, they saw his vest, and they were like, okay, like, here's your table. Or they just, like, there's no questions. We were on Trinity's campus, um, and there's no dogs allowed at Trinity College unless they're a service or assistance dog. Um, and I was showing Anne Trinity because I, I studied abroad there. And uh, I we were on the front square maybe, I don't know, a couple minutes, and I hear a security guard radio click. And that got my attention. I turned around, and he said, um, confirmation, dog on front square is a service dog, and just kept walking. Did not bother us, did not ask any questions. He was just – he needed to confirm, and that was his job. Whereas in America, I went to the DM – or not the DMV, the county clerk's office, and – the guard stopped me and was like, is that a service dog? And I was like, can you read? I know reading is required for this job. It's got to be, right? So, and so, and I just feel like that's another part in the American society that makes it harder for service dog handlers to just like, a lot of people that have them don't want strangers talking to them. A lot of PTSD people. Correct have an issue with people approaching. So why are we asking people with service dogs about their dog? Exactly. Like, do you go up to someone with a wheelchair and ask them like, oh, what kind of oh. wheelchair is that? Yeah. Or, oh, how'd you get in that? How'd you get, how'd you get in that? Like, <laughs> no, we don't do that. You don't do that. But <laughs> is that a real wheel? Is that a real wheelchair? Right. Is that do a real you, one? Do you really need it? Jesus, I know we're <laughs> we're something, but and <laughs> there was multiple times where I overheard a conversation in Ireland in multiple different cities of a parent educating their their kid on like oh that's that's an assistance dog they call them assistance dogs over there which America is the only place where it's called a service dog everywhere else in the world they're called assistance dogs um, and. Well, that's an assistance dog. And she explained it beautifully as like, well, you know, sometimes a person has a condition that we can't see, but the dog can help them if it starts to become a problem. And so we just need to respect their space. And those are dogs we don't pet. And I was just like, me and Anne were so taken back. Like that was so beautiful to explain in such a simple way to a child. Yeah. That, like, look, if you see a dog that is wearing a special vest, like, we don't ask to pet, we don't ask, we don't interrupt them, we don't talk, like, it's it's doing a job. Um, and then another cute little thing that we encountered was at the mall, there was, uh, like, a fundraising um, display of for guide dogs and service dogs, and you could drop your coins in it, and there was a little boy dropping a coin in and his dad's like yeah it's for guide dogs and then we walked by and he goes oh look buddy that's one in real life that's what we're helping oh and we were like oh my but they, again it wasn't like let's go approach it was right. watch from afar and then he he continued to talk to his son about like like this is why we help because sometimes they need to help their people and so in therefore we're helping them by putting our extra change here and it was just so cute and it was 
I felt so respected in that manner as far as like, yes, they are very dog friendly, but they also understand that like there's a difference between dogs and assistance dogs. There's a difference between, you know, asking, is that a, is that a pet or is that an assistance dog? Like I just, uh, America can do a lot better in that sense Absolutely. as well, because there's really no need unless the dog is acting out. There's no need to approach a service dog team and say, is that a service dog? Right. What's it trained to do? Right. Yeah. It, it really truly is a, we, yeah, <laughs> I'm not, I mean, it sounds like we're I'm doing a terrible job at, at talking about my country. Um, it, it's just, I'm very frustrated with, with yeah. America because we. More with our society. Not it's, necessarily you're right, it's the not country, the country it's, right. it's, it's the our society. society. And it's the, the questioning of, of yes, is that a service dog? Um, you see it all the time with uh, recipients that are trying to go into restaurants and, 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 the, and there's times that they can really explain and do a good job of educating. But if I had a service dog, especially if it was for something like a PTSD, I don't think I'd want to have to explain every single time I go to a restaurant. It's not my job to educate mm-hmm. your front staff at a restaurant on what the law is. Right. It's not my job. I should be able to go in and be seated and have a meal like anyone else. And I think that that's where we, when also, I mean, we've done it because so many people have faked service dogs. I mean, let's be real. But again, if if we would just start doing a better job at seeing our pets, seeing our dogs as what they are, and they, they're part of a family, and giving them the skills they need... I think that would even cut back on the, is that a service dog? What's it, you know, what's it trained to do? And and all of right. this stuff, because seeing dogs wouldn't be that big of a deal. Yeah. And now you see a dog and, and I do it. I see somebody with a dog and I immediately I'm looking <laughs> and I'm like, is that a service dog? You know, I'm not bothering them. But of course I'm also looking at, I see a service dog. Um, I actually have a quick, I have a little video that I got in, uh up North. I was in Salem, Mass. And I saw a, a dog, a pit bull with a service vest on. And Salem, Massachusetts in October is not the place you want to bring a dog. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, and I watched this service dog, how his tail was tucked. His ears were back. He was shaking and shivering. Oh I'm like, that is not a service dog. Um, because it doesn't have the skills that it needs to be able to function in this environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I didn't, of course, didn't say anything. But it's people like that that do ruin it for people that have good dogs. But it's also when we do want our pets to do things and, and have, you know, I'm sure there are probably some patios out there that used to be dog friendly that are no longer dog friendly mm-hmm. because people have brought dogs there that were not good. And it just became, became too much of an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that we have to, as pet owners, we have to take the responsibility of doing what we need to do to make society see our dogs as more than just what they are to most people. Um, but see them as pets and true part of the family and that they want to be a part of what we're doing in this world. Um, and even if you have like a, a reactive dog, you know, like the German Shepherd, there are vests that are now made for both owners and humans that are nice, bright orange, bright yellow. Reactive. They say reactive, right? Or reactive dog in training or please don't approach or, or give space. I love those yeah. because I think if we can, ha- we can make something that bright and obvious... <laughs> Yeah. That at least helps yeah. a little bit to where we can, because I think if you have a reactive dog, if you have a dog that's not so great in society, but is 
neutral, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't want to be approached by anything, I think you should have a right to take your dog out in public as much as the most friendly dog out there. Right. Um, it's not fair that dog should have to be isolated. That's like saying, hey, you know, I have a kid who um, has behavior, uh, issues, behavior so. issues, so I'm never going to take them anywhere. Right. Instead of... No, you don't do that. You learn skills to help your child with behavior issues. You learn how to give positive reinforcement, how to redirect. How to advocate for them. How to advocate for them because it's important. And our society is learning more about that because we're doing it. I just think we need to do it with dogs as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think if you, you need to come to our social hour class. And if you're not local and you want to do a social hour class, you know what? We can travel. (laughs) <laughs> you just got to get a good group together, give us a really good place to stay, feed us alcohol and food. Um, and I think, you know, I'd be happy to travel. It'd be great. I mean, hell, Clark would love to travel. He's easy on a plane. He's better on a plane than most children. He's better on a plane than I am. Uh, he, I've never even flown with him, but I know he's better on, on a plane. A lot, on a lot of our flights we did, we were surrounded by screaming children. Jesus. And he was just like, okay, I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to take a nap. Why didn't you have him go do deep pressure therapy on them? <laughs> of course, they wouldn't be able to breathe, and that would at least stop them from crying. Oh, my God. I'm going to get so much hate mail. <laughs> Sorry. You're going to get canceled. <laughs> I'm going to get canceled. Um, well, you can't get canceled. Nobody else is paying you to do this. Uh, so that's good. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I'm glad you made it back. Um, I've been worried about them for 10 damn days, them over in Ireland being heathens. Um, it was, Clark was happy to be home. I think he about yanked you into the road yesterday when I picked y'all up. Oh my gosh. I was so excited to see Nikki. I like purposefully like took all his gear off and was like, guess who's coming? We were riling him up. We're like, who is it? Clarky, who is it? And then he saw you and he just, I was like, okay. And he just, he went nuts. He was so cute. He hadn't seen Nikki in two weeks. He was so cute. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was glad to have y'all finally back on U.S. soil, because um, you know, safety. <laughs> but I'm just saying, Ireland's so safe. Ireland is safe. I'm not worried about Ireland, but I, yeah, I told you, I, I did 12 years of search and rescue and search and recovery, and I have worked some really bad cases, and some of these women have never been found. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so yeah, I have maybe I have PTSD. I don't know, but I get worried. But I'm glad you're home. I'm glad you got a chance though to see that. And, and have that experience because when I was over, <clears throat> there wasn't as many dogs around. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure if I went back, uh, I would. I think we should see take a, a lot dog more. speak tri- trip to Ireland. Oh sure, let's uh, let's do that. <laughs> would you want to do that before or after we buy our facility? I mean, because you know we got money out our ears here. Um, that would be fun though. <laughs> Poor Gray would be the only guy though. I, don't, I think he would thrive. You think Gray would thrive? Yeah. He'd get over there and he'd pick up like 12 Irish women. They'd be like, just stay here with me. No, he has to come home. He's my retirement fund. <laughs> He's my retirement fund. He's taking over Dog Speak when I retire. I hope. Anyway, listen, Gray. Get on, get your shit together. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, I think that was fun. That was a fun episode. Um, and it does. It, I don't mean to make our country sound like it's shitty, shitty, shitty. I just know that we could do a much better job. Um, in our country for advocating for our pets and advocating for them as part of the family and not treating them as if they're just uh, something without a brain, something without feelings, something without emotions. Um, and I say that because the use of shock collars are rampant and it's ridiculous. Um, and prong collars and aversive techniques 
we think it's okay to hang dogs up by leashes. And I, and I say, I say it's okay because there's a certain person on TikTok who has got millions of followers and literally hangs dogs by the leash while they're wearing a muzzle. Um, and then is so proud of himself because he took an aggressive dog and he didn't get bit and it settled down. And that's I'd abuse. settle down too if I lost blood flow to my brain. Right? You settle down pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, and then they're flopping around trying to get away because they're scared to death. They can't do anything because they're muzzled. And, you know, I'm, I'm like, dude, you want to be, you really want to show something? Take that muzzle off the dog and then do right. what you're doing and see what happens. Ask Caesar what happened when he tried to stare down a dog over his food. Uh-huh. That shit's real. <laughs> you just tough. You putting a muzzle on them. You're worse than Caesar. Um, I didn't say the last name, so you can't sue me. So, at least I don't think. Maybe I should take that out. We might have to edit that. Anyway, we just need to stop being so abusive to our dogs. Um, Amanda, thanks for coming home. Thanks for coming home safely. I appreciate that. I uh, hope you guys have a great uh, rest of the week. And if you um, if you want to practice with your dog, our first event's going to be at Tailgate Brewery in uh, West Nashville. And we do have them spread out. So we have some in North. We have some uh, South. Uh, so Franklin, um, uh, North Nashville. Um, we're going to do uh, West Side's going to probably be at Tailgate Brewery because there's lots of space there. And I know it's a little cold, but they have a barn heaters so don't worry about that um, and it's not that cold here right now at least right now when is our first our first dog around town is um the 25th of this month i don't even know if this will be out before then i think it will be i may put this out as a special episode but uh the 25th of january is going to be our first dogs around town at tailgate brewery make sure you sign up on the website because uh we have limited spots there's just only so many we can take at a time yeah. So uh, make sure you sign up for that. And uh, yeah, hope you guys have a great rest of the week.